0: Question for you, when you do something and then wind up feeling guilty about it, is it really because you did something wrong? Something that you should not have done? And if not, what I want to do today is talk about the power of gratitude and grace So that you can not only stop unnecessary suffering in your life, but also move forward with ease and confidence. So if these are things that you want more of in your life, you're going to want to keep on listening. Welcome to the Happy and Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Lang. And this podcast is dedicated to my fellow women in STEM. After working in high tech for 10 years, in 2004, I became the proud owner of Pacific Heights Health Club in San Francisco, where I worked with thousands of clients over the span of 15 years to help them reach their health and fitness goals. Now I'm sharing what I've learned about what works as well as what doesn't work when it comes to making healthy habits stick. So if you want to find out what it takes to achieve lasting weight loss, to create deep health and feel empowered to live the life you want, you're in the right place. Episode number 140. Well, hi there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me today. So, If this is your first time listening to this podcast, I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, then you know that about six months ago, my parents moved here from Michigan out here to California where my sister and I live. And one of the reasons why that's the case is, well, they're both 83 years old now And my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's about six years ago now. So she's going to be 84 in a month. And she was diagnosed when she was 78. So at this point, I would say that the disease has progressed to a pretty moderate level. So if you're talking with her, she will repeat the same thing she just told you two minutes ago. And I've noticed that she's always looking at folks and trying to be helpful. So if she sees someone uh, under the sun, for example, she'll ask if you're okay or if you're too hot. And as a matter of fact, she did that just this past week when we were at lunch. So of course, because she can't remember that she asked the question, she'll ask it probably once every five minutes or so. So she's still very aware of her surroundings. I would say in a lot of ways, she's very, very present, more so than other people are that I know, and very much empathetic, always looking for ways to take positive action to make a situation better. So earlier this week, I attended a Zoom call it was hosted by Kensington Senior Living, and it was a Zoom call with Patty Davis. So Kensington Senior Living offers memory care services, stuff like that. And for those of you who don't know who Patty Davis is, she is an actress and author and the daughter of President Ronald Reagan. So Ronald Reagan, most people know, suffered from Alzheimer's disease. And she wrote a couple of well-known books. One is The Long Goodbye. And the other, which I think is more recent, is Floating in the Deep End. So on this Zoom call, she was sharing what she learned, her experience in being a caregiver of someone with Alzheimer's. And interestingly she talked about the stress that it has on the partner in which this case was her her mom Nancy Reagan and then she talked about how for the adult children that well she has a lot of gratitude that she was able to be there for them and as a matter of fact she talked about how important it was that She really had to grow up fast in order to be able to be present. And the reason she brought up gratitude, she was actually addressing the topic of grief. Of how hard it is for the people who are caring for loved ones when it comes to Alzheimer's. Like I watch my mom and it is... Stunning how much this disease has affected her brain. My mom, so smart, so capable, and really such a, I can see the loss. And so there is grief in that loss. And Patty Davis said, The anecdote for grief is gratitude. And this is actually something my mom is teaching me. As I watch her, I notice how very present she is. So she is definitely aware that her memory and her cognitive skills aren't what they used to be. She she can get confused fairly easily. And she's aware, for example, that um, if she's in a restaurant and she has to go to the bathroom, that we accompany her because we don't want her to get lost. So she's, she's very aware of that. I don't sense that she's embarrassed by it at all or anything like that. What I do notice is how she is very much at peace with what's happening. She's not angry. I don't know if that's something as the disease progresses, if, if she'll start getting more fearful or not, but right now, I just noticed she's very present. And so that's something that I'm learning to stay with her in the present. That in, in a lot of ways, I know that there will be a time to grieve, but why experience it twice when she's still here with us right now? And I am by no means saying that when we're feeling sad, not to process that emotion. To see the loss and to be sad about it. But when I am with my mom, I don't want to be sad. When I'm with her, I want to be fully present. And so I really like that reframe that she offers, that the anecdote for grief is gratitude. And then I was also thinking about, I was talking about how my mom has really strong empathy skills where she's always looking and surveying the situation and taking proactive action to take care of people still. And so then it made me think about what people do and what you may do when you feel guilty. So especially when it comes to taking care of someone, there are times when we need to make choices where you sense that you've hurt someone or it's really not something they wanted. So in the conversation with Patty Davis, someone brought up a situation where I think it was a woman's father who had Alzheimer's and his, uh, he would get angry or he would just get really rude. He would make outbursts if they went to the grocery store. And so she, the daughter was basically not bringing her, her dad with her to the grocery store. And She felt guilty that she was doing this because he would be making a scene, essentially. And I think about how with my mom, I know these days she doesn't actually carry a purse with her because, well, for a couple years she kept forgetting it at the restaurant and stuff like that. And so she stopped carrying a purse. And probably even just a month ago... At one point, she looked at my dad and she's like, why don't I get to carry a purse anymore? And so, do I feel guilty? Should my dad feel guilty? I don't think so. I really think this goes back to, why are we feeling guilty? Did we do something wrong? Or did we just have to make a difficult choice? And we understand how it may be affecting the other person, how they're feeling about it. And so I'm talking about this in the context of my mom, but for those of you who have kids, same thing. So last year when I was watching my six-year-old nephew, I wound up giving him an epic timeout. And he was so angry. I still remember him like, I hate you, Auntie Amy. And I knew, though, that in that moment, as unhappy as he was, I was teaching him something. I was teaching him about boundaries. I was teaching him about self-regulation. And while it was difficult, I wasn't actually doing anything wrong. It was a difficult decision. I knew that he didn't like it. But did I have anything to actually feel guilty about? So in moments when you feel guilty, let's say you struggle with cravings or with emotional eating. I really want you to ask yourself first, is it true? Did you actually do something wrong? Or is it that you know that you did something that really moves you away from your goals? That in a sense, you know better. And so you you think you should do better. And if that's the case, then I would say that the anecdote for guilt is grace. To give yourself some grace. And this is where the practice of self-compassion is so important in achieving our goals and I've used this example before but when you think about a child a baby learning how to walk we know that in order for that baby to learn how to walk they have to fall down they have to make mistakes in order to to learn how to walk. So mistakes are a part of learning. If we're trying to create a new skill, and I would say a habit, for example, is a skill. So healthy eating is a skill. We've got to learn, well, what is nutritious food, which may not be that easy these days. There's a lot of misinformation out there. What does my body actually need? How can I tell what my body actually needs? These are all skills that we want to develop. And so it takes deliberate practice and it takes patience and it takes time and we're going to make mistakes. And I was watching my dad as he was trying to figure out how to navigate YouTube on his television and how much he didn't want to make a mistake and I think part of it is because there's a fear of not being able to recover from it just tell me what to do but we talked about how his grandson my nephew isn't afraid to push all the all the buttons he's not afraid of making a mistake this is how he learns so somewhere in Our upbringing as we get older, I think we operate with this belief that as we get older, we're not supposed to make mistakes, that we should already know. And yet, if you're trying to achieve a big goal, if you're trying to do something new that you've never done before, why in the world would you expect that you would do it perfectly? (laughs) It's just not possible. Or it would be very, very rare, put it that way. And if you're trying to do something new, something uncomfortable, I think it's much, much more likely that we are going to make some mistakes. And so giving yourself some grace, that self-compassion, is about saying it's okay. That expectation of not making mistakes, or the fear, if you will, of being judged, that doesn't really serve us. What does serve us is more that idea that I'm learning something new, just like that baby learning how to walk. I get to experiment and figure out what works best for me. And to take this baby walking metaphor one step further, I would hope that we're encouraging ourselves and cheering ourselves on I hope you're cheering yourself on when you actually take action that's uncomfortable, where you're willing to take that risk. That's awesome. (laughs) So if you are trying something new, let me be that ear. Let me be that voice in your ear, not your ear. Let me be that voice in your ear saying, yes, keep going. You got this. That's the voice I want you to be listening to. And so it's interesting when I think about why I'm doing what I'm doing. I remember seeing Sean Stevenson, who's known as the three foot giant, at a conference a few years ago. And for those of you who don't know who Sean Stevenson is, he is a motivational speaker an author and therapist who suffered from osteogenesis imperfecta, which is commonly known as brittle bone disease. So he passed away in August of 2019, but I was lucky enough to have seen him at a conference in March, was it March or April of 2019. So, in his lifetime, he suffered from more than 280 fractures and dozens of other medical complications that threatened his life. He actually ended up dying of a massive hematoma when his wheelchair tipped over. And he ended up, I think he ended up hitting the back of his head. So, what would be like a concussion for you and I because of the brittle bone disease that he had, he wound up having a traumatic brain injury. And I think he ended up dying in surgery. But he talked about how his goal in life, his mission was to rid the world of insecurity. And if you don't know who he is, I really want you to go to YouTube and look him up. Again, his name is Sean, S-E-A-N, Stevenson, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N. I want you to see what he was dealing with. And then I want you to listen to him as well, so that you'll understand why every single person in the room stood up and gave him a standing ovation. I want you to hear the message that he had for each And every single one of us. So a few months after he passed away, a coach, a business coach named Craig Ballantyne wrote an article about him. And he said, and I'm going to quote him, Sean saw his condition as a gift to be leveraged, not an alibi for a half-lived life. Not an alibi for half-lived life. I love that line because what he was doing from a mindset perspective was looking at what had happened from a place of gratitude. And so I think about, well, why am I here? And For a long time, I thought it was all around helping people lose weight. But over time, I've actually figured out that I care more about deep health. And ultimately, I believe that I'm here to rid the world of unnecessary suffering. So when I talk about all this thought work that we're doing, it's because I believe That so much of that reality that we're creating for ourselves is because of the thoughts that we choose to pay attention to and how we choose to interpret them. And so that's what I want to leave you with today is this idea of when you do something, And you're feeling guilty. I want you to ask yourself. Is it true? Just for today. Can you, every time you become aware of a thought. Before you take action. Ask yourself, is it true? Does this thought serve me? Can I come from a place of self-compassion where I give myself some grace? And I think about what is another way I can think about this that's true to me and moves me closer to where I want to be. To the kind of person that I want to become. And I do not hear, when I say the kind of person you want to become, I am not saying that who you are right now isn't good enough already, doesn't have worth already. Because you do. Your worth is not tied to what you do. I'm talking about how you think about yourself. In other words, your self-image. And so if you think of yourself as a really caring person, and because you care, and because you have people in your life that you really care about, that you get stressed. Let's say you have kids in high school and you want them to do well so they can get into a good college. And so you worry. Worrying about it is not taking action. And that's okay. There's not a single person, I think, who has been born that hasn't worried about something. But when you catch yourself doing it, can you think about well, what can I do in this moment right now that would be helpful? That's not about making myself feel more comfortable to avoid discomfort, but rather what action can I take right now that I'm confident about that will move us closer to where we want to be. So if you're thinking about how can I help my child develop better study habits or develop critical thinking skills or have a better appreciation for the consequences of the choices that they're making. What kind of conversation can you have with your kid? What's a good question you can ask them to help them think through a problem? All right. So, that is all I have for you today. Again, I want to I want you to remember to go and look up Sean Stevenson and In the show notes for this episode, I'm going to include a link. Actually, I'm going to include links to two of my favorite videos by him. And then as you think about big goals that you have and creating the life that you want, I want you to remember the power of grace and gratitude. All right. So I'm going to leave you today with a quote by Byron Katie. The miracle of love comes to you in the presence of the uninterpreted moment. If you are mentally somewhere else, you miss real life. You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website, moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E hyphen clu dot com. And sign up for my free mini course, How to Lose Weight for the Last Time. And remember... Making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.